I was thinking we've done a bunch of shows in a row that have nothing to do with conspiracies, but we're going to be making up for it big time. Mark's Jedi and Todd here, along with producer Joe at Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond. Today, we have a very special guest, a professor at University of Minnesota, Duluth, philosophy of science, an author whose works include over 100 published articles ranging from cognitive science, artificial intelligence, and computer science, and several books. He is also the author of The Assassination of Science and Believer of the Possibilities of Ulterior Agendas, James H. Fetzer. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm delighted. I'm now, of course, Professor Emeritus. I retired in 2006, moved near Madison, Wisconsin. I have uh, 24 plus books in those areas. You mentioned AI, computer science, all that sort of stuff, but also a dozen plus in the area of conspiracy research. Well, as a local host used to have me on and refer to me as a conspiracy guy. I like that so much. I actually created a website called a conspiracy guy from May to November of 2020. And I did 65 shows as a conspiracy guy. I couldn't afford to maintain the website. It was a hundred bucks a month. I just didn't have the dough, but I transferred all those shows onto my blog at jamesfetzer.org. So if you go there, and look for jimtheconspiracyguy.com, the 65 shows, you'll find a veritable bonanza. Before we get into all the things that we're going to talk about, I'm kind of curious, because our biggest show and the one that we always talk about is Flat Earth. Do you have any input on Flat Earth theory? Well, my PhD is in the history and the philosophy of science, and the history of science is dominated by physics and astronomy. Every object in the in, in the universe is roughly spherical. The Earth can't be an exception. I don't believe it's even possible to have a flat Earth because of the law of gravity, everything with mass, trafficking, every other thing with mass, I think it would make it physically impossible to have a flat Earth. And of course, we have all the phenomena of day and night rotation of the Earth on its axis every 24 hours. We have the month determined by the rotation of the moon around. And then the seasons, Summer, fall, winter, spring, because of the rotation of uh, Earth around the sun. So we even Galileo discovered with the telescope that Jupiter provided a miniature model because it has moons just like Earth. And of course, it's spherical. So, you know, I try to be open minded, but there's some matters that are so far beyond uh, doubt that it's not really appropriate to spend a lot of time. So. You know, uh, uh, if someone wants to believe Earth is flat, well, I'm not going to deny them that right, but I have no doubt whatsoever it's a false belief. So, Dr. Fetzer, is that the one you don't believe in? Is that pretty much? Is that pretty much <laughs> by the way, by the way, since I think this is an audio-only episode, I just want you need to Google uh, Dr. James Fetzer, please, and and visit his website blog as he mentioned. He looks like a PhD. 
right down to there's a giant stack of papers right over his shoulder. It looks like you're in the middle of a manifesto of some sort. I'm very excited to talk to you today. I really well, am. I'm delighted. There's a lot of conspiracy theories you believe in, and you're a smart dude. And I assume that you have ample evidence to support the things you're saying. Well, it's very important to have evidence. I don't make any assertions I can't establish. Uh, and indeed, what I have done, Joe, is to pioneer collaborative research. So I bring together the best experts on different aspects of a case to establish what really happened. And it it reduces dramatically the possibility of making mistakes. I mean, you know, if one of us might make a mistake one time out of 10, which is a ridiculously high figure, two one time out of 100, three one time out of 1,000, and, and, and to suggest we'd make mistakes one time out of 10 is, is ludicrous all by itself. The fact is, uh, in relation to JFK, I brought together a world authority on the human brain who is also an expert on mood ballistics, a PhD in physics, who is also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, making him an expert in the interpretation of x-rays, a physician who was in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in and then two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald. Another a legendary photo and film analyst now departed this earth who also aided me in research on moon landing and 9-11. Another PhD in physics, this time with a specialty in electromagnetism who did a brilliant tutorial showing how evidence internal to the Zapruder film proved conclusively and been massively edited. In fact, the current version we have, which is only 487 frames, is less than half of the length of the original, which would have been about 1,000. They took out around 100, turning from Houston on down. And then the driver, William Greer, actually brought the limousine to a halt to make sure JFK would be killed. That took around 20 seconds. I used to think it was real short, but there were a whole lot of activities we now know that took place. That was another 400. So there are more frames missing from the excellent version than we have there. And they've been altered. They blacked out a blowout at the back of the head, for example. They combined two different shots. One that hit him in the back of the head. He slept for a jackie's in the back up looking right in the face when he sit in the right temple by a friend. Bullet blew his brains out the back of his head. They merged those two. And it was actually because of excess editing. They took out too many frames. You have that violent back into the left motion. No one in Dealey Plaza saw it. He actually slumped to the board. He was wearing this back brace, you know, from his injury in World War II. He couldn't dodge or get out of the way. He slumped forward for a shot, hit the back of the head from the Dow tax. Then Jackie's him up, looking him right in the face when you sit by that shot in the right temple. And David W. Manick, the leading medical experts now believe there may have been a concurrent second shot to the side of the head. But he just slumped. He just slumped to the left. This is while Jackie's climbing up, going after a big chunk of his brains and skull on the back and the trunk. But uh, they they overdid it and they created the impression of this violent back and to the left. But they were doing the best they could under very severe time constraints. This was done at Hawkeye Works, a secret CIA photo lab adjacent to Kodak headquarters in Rochester, New York. So, so what do you think happened in the JFK? Because that's one of the biggest conspiracies of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, I've done a huge amount. I mean, I have... Uh, uh, I have a, a three-book trilogy blowing it apart, uh, Assassination, Science, 1998, Murder, and Dealey Plaza, 2000, The Great Zapruder Film, Hoax, 2003. I have a more recent 
because there's a, a, a new guy on this scene named Larry Rivera has done completely sensational work and I'm reporting how we've been able to establish that Lee Oswald was actually standing in the doorway of the book depository when the JFK motorcade came by, meaning he not only cannot have been the lone demented gunman, but he cannot have been one of the shooters. And we've identified there are eight different shooters in Dealey Plaza where uh, the, 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 it, it appears to have been uh, positioned by a guy for whom Fletcher Prouty worked as responsible for assassinations uh, around the world, but especially in Vietnam. And George H.W. Bush was even there. He was actually supervising a shooter in the Dow Tex who fired three shots, the only unsilent shots with a man licker Carcano. But Lyndon, this was all the way with LBJ. There was going to be a vote in the Senate that afternoon on the Bobby Baker scandal where Bobby was his bag man. Everyone thought it would tarnish that Jack couldn't run with him, but Jack had already decided he wasn't going to run with him. He was contemplating Terry Sanford in North Carolina as he'd confided Evelyn Lincoln, his secretary. Lyndon arranged the whole thing, and he even sent his chief administrative assistant, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. Joe, were me and you talk about we thought Lyndon had something to do with it, or was it someone else? A lot of people think that. I definitely think that. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so we should actually... actually yeah, if you do work on the people who knew Lyndon up close and personal, like Madeline Duncan Brown, with whom he had an affair that began in 48, she bore him a son, Stephen, in 1950. I had over 100 conversations with Madeline. Or with Billy Saul Estes, who was, you know, involved in the clique, making him and John Connolly tons of money. Or... Or, or, or Barr, who worked at the law firm, or E. Howard Hunt, even E. Howard Hunt, who was in Dealey but was not the third tramp. That was Chauncey Marvin Holt, whom I got to know personally. He prepared 15 sets of Ford Secret Service credentials for use in and around Dealey Plaza. Even E. Howard Hunt said the chain of command went from Lyndon to Cord Meyer to David Atlee Phillips to uh, uh, William Harvey to David Sanchez Morales. And then I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, a presidential event. And he even sent, as I say, Cl Cliff Carter, as chief administrative aide down to Dallas. Uh, Billy Saul had his personal hitman, Malcolm Mack Wallace, was a shooter in the Dow Techs. There was no one in the assassin's lair. But Mack was fall. He, he killed a dozen people for Lyndon, including one of his sisters, because she talked too much. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a story. But even Billy Saul in his book, A Texas Legend, which is, of course, about him, Billy Saul Estes, said in conversation he had with Mac Wallace and with Cliff Carter, uh, shortly thereafter, he became convinced that they'd been personally involved. And Madeline had a, you know, knew so much about Lyndon. She was invited to the ratification meeting the night before the home of Clint Murkison Sr., where Lyndon made an unexpected appearance late in the evening. And they, uh, the, the heavy hitters who were there went into a boardroom for about 15 minutes. And when it broke up, he strode over toward her. She thought he was going to whisper sweet nothings. Instead, he told her in a hateful tone of voice he wasn't going to have to put up with embarrassment from those Kennedy boys any longer. That's not a threat. That's a promise. He actually called her and gave her the same message the next day. Six weeks later at the Driscoll Hotel, they had a rendezvous, and she confronted him with rumors rampant in Dallas at the time that he had been involved since no one stood to gain more personally. And he blew up at her and told her the CIA and the oil boys had decided that 
JFK had to be taken out. I mean, that's as close as you're going to get to a direct confession. But it was, but there's a wonderful, wonderful book by Phil Nelson entitled LBJ Mastermind of JFK's Assassination. If you only read a couple chapters, you'll understand the way this guy grew up. He was ruthless, had no conscience whatsoever, who would brook no opposition. He, he was a masterful politician. He could diagnose a man's strengths and weaknesses virtually on first meeting him. He was, wow. he was, a, he was a fascinating guy. Uh, uh, Connolly was once asked to describe Lyndon, and he said that would take every adjective in the book. And oddly, while I was having lunch with Madeline, she said she didn't quite understand what he meant. And I said, well, Madeline, that's because he had so many strengths for good, but also for evil. So every positive, he had a negative. And then she understood. But I mean, you know, it was truly all the way with LBJ. How did Oswald end up becoming the patsy then? Well, Oswald had a long history with American intelligence. He was recruited at the Recruit Depot in San Diego, uh, where I would serve as a series commander with 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command. In, in the early 60s, actually, I was there from 64 to 66. And of course, the assassination was in 63. He was recruited by the Office of Naval Intelligence. He appears to have been given Russian language instruction. He was he was he was uh, stationed at, at Sugi in Japan, which was our most secure Air Force base, the source of the U-2 overflights. The Soviets knew they were taking place, but didn't know the altitude, could shit down the plane. Well, because Lee was a radar operator, he knew the altitude. He, he conducted a, a fake defection to the Soviet Union at the bequest of the CIA, gave him that information, but the CIA took no chances, and they short the fuel in the U-2 overflight with Francis Gary Powers so that the plane was going to come down in any case. Uh, there was going to be a summit between Eisenhower and Khrushchev, but Eisenhower accused the U.S. of spying on the Soviet Union. Eisenhower, of course, denied it, and then Khrushchev trotted out parts of the plane, parts of the U-2, and the pilot who had not taken his cyanide tablet so that the whole thing was aborted. And instead of reducing world tension, it increased, which was the objective of the CIA. When Lee, who married the daughter of a KGB colonel, or rather fetching young woman named Maria, she when they returned to the U.S., they were given money by CIA front organization. She relocated to Dallas, not knowing in the hands of a couple who were tied into the CIA. Uh, Lee went to New Orleans where he was being sheep-dipped and given this fake persona as a pro-Castro communist sympathizer when he was right, very much the opposite. And then the uh, 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 Ruth Payne, with whom Marina was staying, arranged for Lee to have a job at the book depository just weeks before the event. The whole book depository looks as though it was a CIA fraud. And they, uh, the shooter who was in the Daltex was actually fired from the broom closet of a CIA, uh, of a uranium mining company that was a CIA asset. Chauncey would tell me how the CIA had all these proprietaries with innocuous sounding names like he was working as a contract agent out of the Los Angeles Stamp and Stationery Store. It was like five or six floors. And the top two were the CIA fake ID operation where Chauncey was talented as a counterfeiter, forger, painter, artist. He was a multi-talented guy. He also ran a school for assassins. And I got to know him personally. Uh, Chauncey told me that the lower floors were actually a legitimate business. And guess what? They were making police and uh, sheriff ID and badges. So if the CIA needed a 
police or sheriff uh, ID, they could get legitimate from the very companies on the lower floors. So he was instructed by his handler, Philip Twombly, to prepare these 15 sets of CIA forged credentials, which were actually used in and around Dealey Plaza. Joe, I think what we need to do is do a whole show with them on JFK because oh my God, no, no right? kidding. We have like 10 other things to get to. So, all right, so let's move on. Now, Jedi, the funniest thing was I'm looking at his Wikipedia. I'm like, okay, so we have the school shootings, JFK, this all makes sense, 9 11. Then when I ever saw Holocaust denier, I'm yeah, like, yes. absolutely. I know it. Anyone who studies it, I mean, if you follow the evidence, it didn't happen. I mean, it was a gross exaggeration. These were labor camps. They, they actually did use Zyklon B to kill body lice uh, because they didn't want dysentery and typhus to spread in the camps. They were trying to keep them in good health for the obvious reason you can't get work out of a corpse. Hundreds, even thousands of babies were born there. If you look at the map of Auschwitz, they had a hospital with OBGYA facilities. They had a concert hall. They had a woodworking shop. None of this comports. The International Committee of the Red Cross was keeping meticulous records of everyone, every inmate who died, their, their, their sex, their age, their race, their ethnicity, everything you could want to know in their cause of death. And they recalibrated their numbers in 1993. And the total who died in the, all the camps combined was 296,081, none of whom died from being put to death in a gas chamber using Zyklon B, which is that's a mild form of cyanide. It would be pretty hard to kill someone with Zyklon B. It also stains the walls. It turns them by interaction chemical a blue color. And there's a, a brilliant guy who was a student of chemistry before uh, he got drawn into this, uh, Gerhard Rudolph, who actually went there and did samples. And it was only in the delousing chambers. In fact, there's a fellow named Fred Lochter that I'm going to be interviewing next week on my radio show, who during the Ernst Zundel trials in Canada, where he was a, a very admired labor leader who denied uh, the Holocaust, was put on trial in 1985-1988. In the, 1985, it was significant because a pr prosecution couldn't produce a single witness who could swear to having seen anyone put to death in the gas chamber. And in 1988, uh, 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 Fred Lochter, who was a leading expert on gas chambers, gave his report. He was flown over to investigate the facilities. He found absolutely nothing that could have served as a gas chamber there. The whole thing was just a hoax. And it, it, indeed, even the whole number six million, that, that appears to have theological origins. There's a disputed passage of Leviticus that says that chosen people may return to the promised land only when they're minus six million who've been consumed in the flames, but even that requires interpolation because there was no word in the original Hebrew for six million. And if you look at the international literature, beginning in 1890, there are 236 references to six million Jews in dire straits or fear of law for their lives before the Nuremberg Tribunal. It was all political, all intended to motivate the creation of an independent nation of Israel. And of course it had that effect. That's right. The whole Nuremberg trial was set up. They brought in a Hollywood producer. He took all this film footage to create it. film footage, which I watched as a kid at the local Rialto Theater. They'd have a free kid show on Saturday. And I remember watching some of this stuff to make you think that the, the, the Germans and Hitler have been responsible for all these deaths. 
but they had these big pits where you had bulldozer bulldozing, you know, very dead bodies into these pits. But that was from starvation. The Allies bombed the railroad yards in their colossal assault on the German cities, which is a war crime, absolutely war crime committed by the Allies, not Germany and interdicted the railroad line so they could no longer supply the camps. And a lot of people starved as a consequence. Plus, they just took footage from anywhere they could, you know, that would look very bad to make a case against Hitler, typical Hollywood production. And the Democrats are following in their stead here with the January 6th and all that. It's ridiculous. I have a footage on my my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, where you can see not only are the police laying them in, but there are individuals who are managing and directing everyone what they're supposed to do. And of the Ashley Babbitt shooting, Ashley was not shot. That was totally fake, totally fraudulent. Not only does the officer come up and just boom, no one reacts. No one reacts as though a shooting had just taken place because they all knew it was coming. Ashley sort of falls back, but she's actually gently laid down. There's not even any blood. There's a little packet that they bring out. It's totally fake. I've even seen, got a recent photograph that appears Ashley's alive and well. She was in a, a wetsuit. I mean, the whole thing is just as fake as could be. They had to have a death so they could talk about it as a deadly insurrection. It's all propaganda. Trump had offered to provide National Guard protection, and Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schirmer, and Mayor Bowser all rejected it because they had another plan in mind. I've never even thought about the Ashley Babbitt thing as a not real, but I guess it lines up with all the school shooting things that we'll get oh. to. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. Look, I mean, it, 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 once you get deep enough into this stuff, you begin to see things you wouldn't have seen. But remember, I have collaborators. I like, for example, my book on Sandy Hook. I brought together the thirteen experts, including six PhD professors, all right? Now, the PhD is important because it's a research degree. It's a formal certification. You have training in research. You can do original research. You can sort things out. Let me mention in passing, the first thing you learn in graduate school is you go to original sources. Wikipedia, and you were citing, you know, what they have, they gutted my, they gutted my bio. I had a really wonderful biological sketch detailing my research on JFK 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, and the whole bit. But after I organized a conference at the University of Illinois on academic freedom, are there limits to inquiry using JFK 9-11 and the Holocaust as examples? They gutted it because, you know, this is a forbidden subject. You cannot dispute the Holocaust right. for the reason that uh, the, it, the Jewish political power is rooted in a Western sense of guilt over the Holocaust. So if the Holocaust was a fraud, then they lose their grip. We even have a, a former minister of education from Israel interviewed by Amy Goodman. This was decades ago, who was asked about this. And she said, it's a trick. She said, in Europe, if anyone criticizes Israel, we bring up the Holocaust. In America, if anyone criticizes Israel, we, bring, we call him anti-Semitic. But she admitted it was a trick. And it is. It's phony if you look into it. I Nick Kohlerstrom is an absolutely brilliant guy out of the UK, published a new book. He's done work on a whole host. He's a leading expert on the 7-7 London bombing. He's got a book, Terror in the Tube, now, I don't know, 6th or 7th edition. He invited me to author the introduction to his book called Breaking the Spell on the Holocaust, where 
the advantage he had was the British had broken the German codes. Well, the Germans were very meticulous. They kept scrupulous records to the last detail so that they had all the records about the camps. So what Nick was able to do was confirm the uh, 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 international, the records of the International Committee of the Red Cross with the British death books. And, and, you know, to vindicate that this number was trifling and that nobody died from being put to death in a gas chamber. And he invited me to write the introduction to his book, which I did and also publish independently under the title, The Holocaust Narrative, Politics, Trump's Science. And it's a it's a short piece. I mean, it's only about six pages, but it gives you an overview about the Holocaust. It's very comprehensive. It's it's available on my blog at jamesfetzer.org. It's also available on another blog called The Government Rag. Just put in the title, you can find it. Everyone needs to do some research because we're being massively propagandized. Everyone thinks what the media says has got some authority or truth. Well, that's one of the great benefits of Donald Trump to call out the fake news media. It was so effective that today over half of Americans don't believe. I think it may be up to 70 percent do not believe the mainstream media reports the truth. Now, now, Joe, you agree that you need to do research, but not because Trump told you, right? <laughs> well, so here's a, a couple thoughts. I, I mean, you're not a Holocaust denier as much. I mean, the Holocaust happened. People were put in camps. There's no dispute. You oh, said sure. 200, 291,000 Jews were killed. 291,000 Jews died. Uh, you know, well, I don't listen. Does it matter if they starved to death or if they were put in a gas chamber i don't know that there's much of a difference i do agree with you that that six million number is inflated and i will point out that when the jewish state began in 1945 or 48 rather there were 350,000 jews who moved to the newfound israel so it's not like you know it's sort of suggested that jews were nearly wiped off the earth that's not true at all well I don't think there were 6 million Jews in all of Europe for all that. I mean, it was a number they used for theological reasons. It wasn't a fact. And and the camps, they were, there were others besides Jews there. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, the Red Cross numbers. I'm very specific. I'm only talking about the combination of three theses. This is a Holocaust in a narrowly defined sense. The claim that 6 million Jews were put to death in these camps in gas chambers using Zyklon B. Those are the theses I refute. Now, in a broader sense, there was a Holocaust. Millions died. My God, Russia lost 20 million alone uh, during World War II. So certainly in a broad sense, World War II was a Holocaust with a little H. But we're talking about the Holocaust with a capital H as it has been promulgated, according to which those three theses are supposed to be true. And I go about just refuting each of them because they're indefensible. And anyone who looks into the matter is going to conclude, as I did, that the Holocaust with a big H of 6 million Jews in gas chambers, Zyklon B is false, which makes them, in some technical sense, Holocaust deniers. But I'm just interested in the truth. I just want to get the truth, you know. And if it turned out that you know, Jews had been uh, put to death in gas chambers, I would have reported that. So, you know, I'm a, a friend of mine has described me as a truth junkie. I'm just hooked on the truth and I cannot abide liars, phonies or frauds. That's when I got really disgusted with Obama 
uh, he was lying so massively to the I, I voted for the guy twice, by the way, just as I did for Bill Clinton twice. So no one, I think, could make a case that I was unsympathetic to the Democratic Party. I just thought they had the better candidates. I would have been willing to vote for a, a Republican. But if it's John McCain, I mean, give me a break. It's Bob Dole, give me a break. These are totally incompetent, unqualified individuals. But when 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 uh, Donald Trump came on the scene, man, that was a fresh breeze of air, and I was all for him. He was going to drain the swamp. That's what we need to drain the swamp. He was severely compromised because he let Ivanka and Jared pick his staff, you know, appoint the key positions. And Bill Barr turns out to have been an especially appalling choice. I thought he was good at the time, but he's now come up and even claimed that He's watched six million mules, been unimpressed. I know no one in the world has watched six million mules who hasn't been blown away. I'm talking about Democrats, independents, Republicans, because of proof of the theft of the 2020 election. And that's only a sliver. One way they were doing it is so massive and compelling. So Barr is obviously a liar, a phony. He was a plant. He did make one good move. He appointed John Durham, and Durham's research is just working out in spades. I even had a book about it I published a long time ago called Exposing the Russia Hoax. And everything I was reporting there about how the FBI and the DOJ were involved and it was all fabricated and Seth Rich had taken, downloaded from the DNC files in real time because he was disillusioned how they'd, how they'd trashed Bernie Sanders. In fact, Debbie Wasserman Schultz had transferred 13 primaries that Bernie had won to Hillary's column to guarantee she would be the nominee. Basically, the DNC was an extension. I mean, Hillary basically bought the DNC hook, line, and sinker. So that when Seth Rich was murdered, I mean, that John Podesta appears to have been behind that as Podesta as a major figure in, in Pizzagate and these satanic activities involving child abuse, rape, and murder, as is Hillary herself. And even, hold on, hold on. Have you seen and can you provide any evidence of any of that stuff? Because I've looked into it and I I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe any of that is true. Well, Joe, look, I, I mentioned the 65 shows. Uh, one of the first is on Pizzagate, the American franchise of Pedogate. Check it out. But brace yourself when I come to the conclusion, because while others are reporting that there's a horrific act involving Huma and a, Huma Abedin and Hillary with a 14-year-old girl who put up a fight, but it's just going to, it's so repulsive, I don't want to even recount it here. But I'm telling you, yeah, this is like what I was on with uh, Hannity and Combs, and Hannity, you know, they, they this is right before Alex Jones' American Scholars Conference on 9-11 in June of 2006, where I was to be the keynote speaker. And I was got a phone call from a producer saying they wanted to have me on to talk about the research as scholars for 9-11 Truth, which I'd founded in December. And of course, I was amenable. Well, when I was, uh, so I, they, they called back and said, Sean wouldn't be on. It would be Ollie North sitting in for Sean. So I called my wife and said, honey, this is just going to be a relaxed conversation between two former Marine Corps officers. And she said to me, don't kid yourself. They're going to try to kill you. So while I was sitting in the waiting room, I asked them to bring in a TV. And when I said, uh, Combs began talking about, you're not going to believe what your professors are teaching your kids about 9-11. I knew I had them because 
they they thought I had a course on 9-11. I did not have a course. So when it opened, Combs asked me, he says, is this a required course or an elective? And I said, well, I don't actually have a course that I'd founded an organization to do research, but I didn't have a course. He said, you don't have a course. And yet, you know, no, I don't know anyone who has a course, but it's a great idea because there's so much material. I just took control of that damn thing. You can find it online, okay, with Ollie North. And Ollie later comes down and he says, you mean, uh, now, Dr. Fetzer, didn't you tell our producer you have a course? And I said, no. What I told him was I have a course in critical thinking where I talk about examples about JFK and the Iraq war and all that. And, of course, 9-11 could be mentioned. And he was just floored. And he, he wanted to go on and say about, you know, how could so many people be involved? And I said, well, you know, Colonel North, this is a compartmentalized classified operation on a need-to-know basis. And he had to admit he knew something about that, right? I mean, I'm telling you, Ollie wouldn't be on TV again for four years. You can find that online. I did. And then they brought me back again with Sean about four months later. And they were about equally uh, successful. But then Bill O'Reilly did a hit piece on me. And I'm sitting there for 30 minutes with bright lights before I go on the air. And he comes on just before he says, I'm going to tell the world you're a, you're a crank and you hate your, your nation. And boom, I'm on the air. And he repeats several ad hominems so I can never get back to it. I thought the whole thing had been rather a fiasco until a couple of years later I was in New York. I'd just given a, a talk about 9-11 at, at, at the Great Hall of Cooper Union. And my wife and I and a friend knew that Alex Jones was having an event at a nearby theater. So we went over. I was just astonished. They just gave me the red carpet treatment. They put me up on a platform with first responders. And as I was sitting down, the fellow next to me leaned over and said, it was watching you on O'Reilly that convinced me 9-11 had been an inside job. And I figured, well, maybe it was worth it after all. So you believe that it was a controlled demolition? Well, it was done in different ways. I mean, Building 7 was a classic controlled demolition at 520 in the afternoon. Something went wrong. It was so well constructed. They had trouble. Barry Jennings was in the building that morning. He was from the, the New York emergency management. He'd gone there because Rudy had two floors with their own air and water, but Rudy wasn't there. He knew better. He knew they were going to bring the building down. I'm sorry to say Rudy was very much involved. And he found half-eaten sandwiches, still steaming cups of coffee. A fireman came along and said, we got to get you out of here. He heard explosives going on in the building. At one point, he was stepping over dead people. He couldn't see them. He could feel them because of the darkness when he got out. There were several interviews with Mary Jennings. But they had trouble bringing that down. The, the Twin Towers were done in a very sophisticated op. We were told the buildings collapsed. But look at what you're seeing. They're blowing apart in every direction from the top down. All the floors are remaining stationary. During a collapse, all the floors come down at the same time. The right. buildings we converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust, which, by the way, is a signature of the use of nuclear devices. And when it's over, there's no stack of debris. At Building 7, we had the typical outcome of a controlled demolition, which is about 12% of the height of the original. In that case, 47 floors, 12%, five and a half, it was there with a Twin Towers, had it been a controlled demolition, let's say a classic controlled demolition, you should have had 13 and a half floors as 12% of a 110 story. 
But his father, Frank Morales from St. Mark's Episcopal Church, who was a first responder, came on my radio show two different times, emphasized those buildings were destroyed too, or even slightly below ground level. There was nothing there. We have photographs where you can see the, the five and a half from building seven in the background because it was very near building one in the foreground. There's just nothing there. It was done using mini nukes in the sub-basement. The design of the building was a tube within a tube. So you had the massive 47 core columns in the center. Then all this open space connected to the external tube, which was uh, like uh, 330 external steel support columns. I mean, really massive. Uh, it, it was an extremely robust building. So they blew it from the inner tube from the bottom up and then from the outer tube from the top down. But when people kept telling us it was a, a, a collapse, there's no collapse going on there. This is the power of suggestion. And, of course, they had the, the Harley guy there to tell you exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, the intense heat from the jet fuel caused the building to weaken and sag, and it just collapsed on itself, which was physically impossible, by the way. The jet fuel at its under optimal conditions when it's fed pure oxygen is a thousand degrees too low to weaken or, or melt steel. So that cannot have happened. We had yeah, but it doesn't need to melt the steel. It just needs to weaken. I mean, the, the, just the, the whole, the whole the seven hours that thing was on fire. Listen, I'll, I'll say to you, Dr. Fetcher, listen, I've always, always thought tower seven. It, it doesn't make sense. It looks like a controlled demolition, but my question to you would be, why would they blow that one up? What would have been the point? Oh, because it had all kinds of records. There were all kinds of investigations of Wall Street. All the Enron records were in there. There was a whole lot of stuff. But also a huge bond thing that was coming due that very day. Uh, the Bush family were deeply involved. George H.W. I mean, W. is a brainless wit, you know, twit. He didn't know what the hell was going on. He even reported what he actually saw on a Secret Service closed TV of the first plane hitting the North Tower. Well, no one would have had any reason to see it. I mean, that's just a facade of a building where nothing's going on. He saw it en route to an elementary school near where I was residing at the time in Florida, in Sarasota, Bradenton. He actually saw and he he reported several times on public occasions how when that First plane hit the tower. I thought to myself, man, what a terrible pilot. And it wasn't until he was in Brooker, Washington Elementary, reading My Pet Goat Upside Down to a group of kids, that Andy Card came in and told him there was a second hit and America was under attack. Well, the only way he could have seen it is if the Secret Service had set up a closed circuit TV on that facade of the North Tower where no one had any reason to believe anything was going on. You're wrong about the seven hours. This all took place within less than two hours. The fires were far too modest to cause the steel to weaken. It was physically impossible for them to collapse. I got a retired uh, physics, math, and chemistry teacher who calculated, and for every unit of downward force, there were 199 units of upward force. Yo, it wasn't even possible for those buildings to collapse. Hmm. So I'm not on board. I don't know about you, Jedi. I'm not. I'm not on board with any of the 9/11 conspiracies. I think something might be up. But so you think the plane? There was no plane, right? Well, this is a very complicated issue. But listen, yeah. let me just give you a clue. Osama bin Laden was our man in Afghanistan. He was instrumental in getting Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen. He was an officer in the CIA, Colonel Tim Osman. 
an official of the agency visited him in the hospital in Dubai where he was suffering his, his, his medical problems. He died from those on the 15th of December 2001. He was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim conditions. There were local obituaries. By the 26th of December, both Fox and CNN had caught up to his death and were reporting it. Barack Obama found it politically expedient to resurrect him and have him die again in a totally fake stage raid on a compound in, in Pakistan. It was all ridiculous. Then they took out the SEALs who were involved, put them in an old Chinook from Vietnam and shot it down because dead men tell no tales. I mean, this uh, this Obama guy is uh, really bad, bad news. He's done massive destruction to the United States. But the fact is, uh, uh, 19 Islamic terrorists couldn't have conducted. Half a dozen of them turned up alive and well the following day, made contact with the British media. If you look at the books of David Ray Griffin, take, for example, his magisterial, the 9-11 Commission Report, Omissions and Distortions, the very first point he made is that half a dozen of these guys turned up alive and well the following day. But the FBI has never revised its list. Why not? Well, I had a very interesting conversation with James Files. He's now out of prison. He claims to have shot JFK. Uh, he actually came to Madison. We had dinner. I took him to a, a restaurant. We really hit it off, he and his wife. He's got three books about how I shot JFK. Hang on. Here, here's one of his posters about I killed JFK, signed by James Files. Okay. What was... Most interesting about our conversation was he said that once the government takes a position on these issues, they are locked in. They will never change. And what that means is regardless of the evidence, the government as a political stance will never revise. So even though Mohammed Atta actually called his dad the next day to say he was okay, but he was petrified because he thought they were going to try to kill him and his father reported it. The FBI still has him and the others on the list. I can't tell you how much I've done on all of this. I've gone through all four of the crash sites. Every one of the crash sites was fabricated or fake. Two of the planes, Flight 11, North Tower, and 77 Pentagon, were not even in the air that day. The other two, Flight 93 and 175, uh, Shanksville and the South Tower, pilots for 9-11 Truth tracked both of those planes. And, and they discovered that Flight 93 was over Champaign-Urbana after it officially crashed in Shanksville. Flight 175 was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania after it officially hit the South Tower. I did my own research and got the FAA registration records that showed that those two planes, the actual physical aircraft used for those flights, where, of course, the same plane can be used for multiple today, Tampa to Chicago, tomorrow New York to L.A., the actual physical planes weren't even deregistered until 28 uh, September of 2005. So how can planes that weren't even in the air that day have crashed? And how can planes that crash have still been in the air four years later? It was all bullshit. I can't believe, begin to tell you. So I did a report. Uh, Major General Albert Stubblebine, at the time retired, had been charged of all U.S. military signals intelligence, meaning including photographic. He'd done an interview in Germany where he explained how he knew no plane had hit the Pentagon because there was no impact of the plane on the Pentagon. So I was delighted to interview 
uh, General Stubblebun, and I went through all the evidence for each of the four crash sites and how it had been fabricated or faked in different ways. And not only did General Stubblebun agree with me, he offered more reasons why I was right. But why kill so, Americans yeah. on American soil? Why why didn't they just like take out the files or delete the files or get some you know why kill? No, you're 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 missing the big picture here. This is an Israeli plot. It appears to have originated with Ehud Umert and Bibi Netanyahu in the 1980s to devise a plan that would draw American forces in the Middle East. So they could take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region. And that's exactly how it played out. I mean, we, you know, uh, in fact, General uh, Wesley Clark, who had served as uh, Supreme Commander Allied Forces Europe, meaning he was a commanding general of NATO, would eventually give a speech about it. The history is something like the following. After 9-11, he returned to the Pentagon, ran into a general of his acquaintance, and the general told him that we were planning to invade Iraq. And they were both puzzled. Why? Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. The general said, oh, I don't know. We had some plan. So Clark said he appreciated keeping him informed. He was back a couple of months later. He said, are we still planning to invade Iraq? And he said, oh, no, sir. He said, there's a new plan now to take out the governments of seven countries in the next five years. And Clark said, really? Why? What in the world is going on here? And the general said, I don't know. I guess we're just good at it. And, and Clark said, well, is it classified? He said, oh, yes, sir. And Clark said, well, then don't show it to me because I may want to talk about it. Will it not be until 2007 during the speech of the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco that Clark laid out how the memorandum had designated we were going to take out seven countries in the next five years, uh, beginning with... Uh, Iraq and Libya, eventually Syria, and then confront the Persian nation. It was the Israeli hit list. That's exactly what 9-11 was all about. I have no doubt about it. I published two books on 9-11. One is entitled America Nuked on 9-11, Compliments of the CIA, the Neocons, and the Department of Defense, and the Mossad. And, you know, there's just a staggering amount of evidence we have. And about the use of nuclear devices, Veterans Today has over 50 articles about how they use these mini nukes. They're very unusual in terms of you think of Nagasaki or Hiroshima. They're very different. They're, they have a lower level of radioactivity. They don't create the same phenomenon. But believe me, if you look at my 9-11 special, which I dedicated to Robert David Steele on my Mitchute channel, I don't think you'll find there's any room for doubt about it. So I encourage you, just look at more evidence. Because unlike the government, which is not rational, it's not going to change its opinion because it's taken a political stance. It'll never change. Any of us who are doing research, if we encounter new evidence or alternative hypotheses that might provide a better explanation, we may have to reject hypotheses we previously accepted, accept hypotheses we previously rejected, and leave others in suspense. That is rational. That's a scientific method. And what I do in all this research is explain how you can apply scientific reasoning to sort out what actually happened in these complex and controversial events. And then I bring in groups of experts to complement. So all these books I'm talking about are edited books where I present the evidence and the reports of these alternative experts. You can find one after another after another. And as I say, Amazon has banned six of these 
They banned the book about Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando and Dallas, Charlottesville, Parkland, and even the moon book. So I'm convinced that's not because of debunking the moon landing, but because I have a section there of some of the best essays ever written about the Holocaust. The ADL asked Amazon to ban any book that dealt with, uh, you know, disputed the official narrative of the Holocaust, and they obligingly banned between 200 and 2,000 books at the request of the ADL. Wow. Um, Joe, the, the thing about 9-11 is uh, we live in the general vicinity of New York City, and you, I bet you you know someone, right, loosely or I, someone that I, died? I spent a year at uh, Columbia as a graduate student. It was uh, 68, 69, so, you know. I like New York. I like the old New York. I mean, it's become a wasteland. I can't believe the damage has been done by all the woke policies there. But there it is. I've, I've always been a huge fan of New York. Uh, sure, plenty of people died. In fact, it was after 9-11 that they realized there was a better way to run these ops because you had four widows known as the Jersey Girls who got after Bush and Cheney to have a 9-11. They didn't even want to have a 9-11 commission. But after 441 days of relentless pressure from the Jersey girls, they were forced to have it. They wanted Henry Kissinger to be the executive director. Kissinger wasn't willing to reveal all his financial entanglements. So he chose a guy by the name of uh, uh, Philip uh, Zeckelo, who's actually in the Department of History at Virginia, where I taught twice. Uh, after I was denied tenure at Kentucky because I stepped on too many toes, I was hired by Virginia as a visiting associate professor, where Virginia was at the time the number one public university in the United States. And they brought me back years later as a visiting full professor. But Zelikow, get this, whom they put in charge of the 9-11 commission, had as his area of academic specialization the creation and maintenance of public myths, M-Y-T-H-S. I am convinced that Zelico wrote the script for 9-11, and he included a whole lot of fantastic ingredients that weren't even scientifically possible, such as a cell phone calls. A.K. Dudney, who was a professor of computer science at Western Ontario, took three different types of cell phones and flew around to see what you could actually do at the time. And because the relay stations can't switch the calls fast enough, it speeds over 200 miles an hour altitude to 2,000 feet. It's impossible to maintain cell phones at that time. So all of his script about the cell phone con wasn't even technically possible at the time, though I think today you might have more success. But but the fact is how brilliant it was to put, uh, put Zelikow in charge of the 9-11 commission, in fact, Members of staff reported he'd already drafted an outline of their final report a year before it shared it with any member of the staff. I mean, you had the fox guarding the head house. And he's back at the University of Virginia, which is a disgrace. I mean, this was Mr. Jefferson's university. This is one of Thomas Jefferson, perhaps the greatest political thinker of world history, and certainly in the history of the United States, along with James Madison. And we might want to include uh, George Washington, but he was more of an activist, whereas Madison and Jefferson were more the political theorists who had a key role in fashioning the, de the, the Constitution of the United States. I mean, in my opinion, it's a disgrace that Zelikow is in the Department of History. When I, when I discovered that Charlottesville had been a fraud, I had all these videos. There were two different cars, Dodge Challengers. One had a racing stripe, one didn't. One had a sunroof, one didn't. Two different drivers. The 20-year-old diagnosed schizophrenic with thick uh, prescription glasses and a 32-year-old 
a military veteran who commands a battalion of reservists in Ohio who was actually driving the car. You know, they had it all set up with two or three different takes, one where he crashes into two vans, which have no drivers. They got out, they just parked them there because they didn't want to suffer whiplash from the crash. When he backed out, I was astonished because it would have befit a NASCAR driver. He was so good. But there's another take where the car is just driving into the crowd, and there's a third take that was published on the cover of the New York Times where you got a black pickup, Toyota pickup truck there, and the stuntmen are flying through the air. That's the one they went with. But the whole thing was fake. So I wrote to all 80 members of the Department of History at the University of, of, of Virginia, except I may have excluded Zelikow, all of the others, and to the president of the university and the provost and the vice provost and at least one or two members of the city council, all this proof, and they ignored it. The only response I got was one woman who had a chair in the Department of History who said she thought I was a disgrace to the University of Virginia. How can you believe that? What a lunatic. I, I was going right. to say, Joe, Joe, it's hard to believe that he stepped on people's toes too much. I know. <laughs> I know. All right. Listen, Dr. Fetzer, I got to do a, I'm going to do follow with me for a minute. It's a little bit of pushback. Sure. I'm like a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to connect a couple of things. So 9-11, no Islamic terrorists. It was an Israeli oh. mission. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. With okay. the publicity of the CIA and the neocons in the Department of Defense, most of them would dual U.S. Israeli right. citizens. Yeah. And and uh, and Bibi Netanyahu. Oh, yeah. He was. The He's all in on this. OK. Absolutely. All right. Bear with me. Now, you voted for Obama <laughs> twice, so you didn't find out about this until after the second election. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. When did I get deep in? I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December of 2005. I published my first book on it in 2007, The 9-11 Conspiracy, uh, The Scamming of America. And remember, it's a conspiracy either way, because if the official account were true, since two or more individuals are engaging together to perform an illegal act, even if it were a conspiracy of that kind, remember, Bush said, don't let us be played by what kind of a conspiracy theories. Uh, he meant exaggerate, you know, because they're already promoting a conspiracy theory, which is part of the absurdity of uh, political attacks on conspiracy theories, because 9-11, the official account is a conspiracy theory. What's going on right now with a January 11th? And they're even openly talking about it, is a conspiracy of Donald Trump and his allies to overthrow the government. Go ahead. All right. So here we go. I was going to say that brings me to 9-11. You say Rudy Giuliani was in on 9-11. Yeah. But now you're talking both Netanyahu, who's a buddy of Trump's, and Giuliani, who's literally the biggest purveyor of information that the 2020 election was stolen. Those are two pretty non-credible people, in my opinion. How do you get around that? Uh BB and 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 Rudy, non-credible people. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Just based on what you're saying. I mean, if if Netanyahu planned 9-11, he's yeah. no friend of ours, clearly. Of course, of course. But of if course. Julie well, was in on it, well, there's if, a there's a public persona in the reality, Joe, for crying out oh, loud. Yeah, believe <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the mainstream shovels so much shit. It's unbelievable. What I do is dig through it and sort it out and figure out what's right, what's wrong. And Trump did such a wonderful job by calling out the fake news. Trump was the first public official to suggest 9-11 was fraudulent. He was interviewed that day on New York television. 
he said that the builders who had constructed the Twin Towers were working for him now and that it wasn't even possible for the buildings to collapse, just as I previously explained, and that something else had to be involved. He said bombs. And believe me, if Trump had been in any way, shape, or form involved in 9-11, he would never have said anything like that. He was, of course, exactly right. I have footage, live footage, where you got a newscaster showing up, and there's someone there all covered with dust saying, uh, 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 did you see the plane? They say, no plane, bomb. And the, and the newscaster say, no, no, planes, we saw it on television. And the guy saying, no, it was bombs. It was bombs. I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, bombs meaning explosive devices. In this case, it was a very sophisticated deal. And look, if you have not looked at the evidence and how it was done, it's going to be very difficult to wrap your mind around this. That's part of the ingenuity of these plots is they devise them in such a complex way that it defies belief. Even when you uncover the truth and can document it, it's difficult for the public to wrap its mind around it. That's, that's one of their advantages. I've always wanted to be a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. I love Jesse Ventura. And, you yeah. know, I certainly listen. If you were Alex Jones, I would tell you you're a fucking lunatic. But you've got <laughs> those three letters after your name, Dr. Fetzer. And so I generally, when I hear someone say, I did my own research, I'm like, oh, shit. Which method did you use? Because they don't know what research even means. Yeah. You clearly do. So right. I, I owe it to myself and to you. I'm going to dig into your collection. We'll have to have him back, Todd, because oh, yeah. I'm willing to do the work on this and really dig in here. I have so many questions. I think, listen, I suspect there's a lot of embellishing with a lot of, I mean, I, I agree with you on the Holocaust that probably 6 million is not a real number. That, that always seemed like a, a weird number to me anyway. And again, if you know anything about history, the Jews have been annihilated so many times that that's a really, that's a much bigger population than one would even expect there to have been. So well, I'm with you on, I'm with you on a lot of that stuff. I will tell you when it comes to Sandy hook, I've done a lot of work for the Catherine Violet Hubbard foundation. I know Jenny and Matt Hubbard and believe you me, their daughter was murdered. Like I have no doubt that their daughter was murdered. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't know how these people possibly could have faked it. I've spent time with them. I where is she? Is she has she been displaced to somewhere else? Joe, far be it for me to preclude what you want to believe. We even have the FEMA manual for the event. The events on the ground correspond to the FEMA manual. Most of these people didn't even know each other. It was all synthetic and put together. I can prove it in spades. I've been taken to court over it. I have a petition before the Supreme Court of the United States right now. Go to the Supreme Court docket. You can find it online for Fetzer v. Posner, and you can download my submission, my petition for a writ to the Supreme Court. If you go to givesendgo.com slash fundingfetzer, you can find not only a link to the docket where you can download it, but a host of evidence about Sandy Hook. You can go through it at leisure. I must have a dozen different articles and proofs about it. Jesse Ventura, by the way, is a friend of mine when he was governor. When my first of those trilogies, Assassination Science, came out, he came up to Duluth where we had a public-private aquarium. And he spent 
He had a one-hour show on Fridays. He spent the first 15 talking about the aquarium and the 45 talking to me about assassination signs on his radio show. After he was uh, governor, he went back to Harvard as a visiting faculty and invited me back to give what I surmise is the only conspiracy theory lecture ever given at Harvard. I've also given that at Cambridge and also given at Yale, and I, no one in the world has done that but me. When he did a conspiracy theory reconstruction, he flew me out to Ventura County, California, to set it up to make sure the distances and the angles for the shoot, which he tried to replicate with a far superior man, Licker Carcano, and out of three replications, he could only hit one of the stationary targets one time, just illustrating the absurdity. But of course, Lee wasn't even there. He also had me on his uh, uh, Jesse Vera's America with, with Beverly Oliver, who'd actually filmed the shooting and saw JFK's head blown apart, and Aubrey Wright, who was an ambulance driver, who up to lift the body up and felt the blood at the back of his head into the bronze ceremonial casket. And I explained how they'd altered the x-rays to cover it up. So Jesse's a good guy. I'm a huge fan, and I would be delighted to come back. You name it, I'll be here. Yeah, so Joe, two things. We have to get him back. And the other thing is Joe has a political podcast. I think he'd be kind of fun to be on that show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, he definitely would, especially well, in, in, in terms of the January 6th thing. I'm seeing – I wasn't buying it a lot at first. I'm seeing evidence. Is that all fabricated? Well, the FBI played a major role. They had a provocateur by the name of Ray Epps who was – they had closed all the ways except one entrance that they controlled. Trump spoke at the ellipse until 111. Well, these events already began at 1245. Now, if you're going to hear Donald Trump, you're going to hear the very last word. So no one even left the ellipse until 111. It was a mile and a half away. These events were all well underway. Trump had offered to provide National Guard, which Pelosi and Schumer and Mayor Bowser all rejected because they had another plan in mind. And now, of course, it's become very obvious. I've just published on my blog a piece by Joaquin Hagopian, who's been a major exposer of Pizzagate, by the way, Joe. You're going to want to follow. He's got five volumes on Pizzagate. This guy is a leading expert in the world on Pizzagate, and I'm proud to say that it was I who encouraged him to publish. It got him to put together these five books, which are linked from my blog, where he's pointing out that they made their agenda clear. They're going to try to bring criminal charges against Trump. It's just absurd. Trump said to be peaceful in your protest. He, he offered the National Guard troops. He told them to go home. He told them to obey law and order. They're doing a, an elementary fallacy known as special pleading, only citing the evidence favorable to your side. It's also known as selection and elimination. Select the evidence that supports your point of view and eliminate the rest. This is a disgrace, but it's not going over. The American people aren't buying it. The networks are losing their rating. Even from the normal television, they've lost about half by running with these hearings. It's, it's backfiring. The Democrats are going to go down big time. It's going to be a catastrophe in November if we get to the midterm election. But, Joe, I'd be glad to come on talk about any of this stuff you like. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I'm just wondering. I did want to touch one, on one more thing, but is if we can do it quickly. Do you want to hit yeah. on your false, your false flag checklist, or do you want to do that next time? Is that, a, is that an in-depth thing? Well, that would be an enterprise. Uh, so let me just say – 
I, in a, a private investigator by the name of Brian Davidson, put together a false fight checklist you can find on my blog at jamesfetzer.org, where I give you about a dozen in indicators that you're dealing with a false flag. Uh, uh, let me mention some for your edification. Early signs, no surge of EMTs, no string of ambulances, no medevac choppers called. That, that's true not only at, 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 at uh, Buffalo and Uvalde, but it's true at Sandy Hook, it's true at Parkland, it's true at Orlando. Here are more conflicting stories, crisis actors, instant publicity. And in this, I give you examples as I go along. No blood, no bodies, dead shooter, further proof, uh, 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 no investigation, calls for action, massive coverage. I haven't explained why you're going to be. Yeah, there's uh, they're, they're, they actually are pretty blatant about it out in Las Vegas. Crowds on demand brought in, I think, as many as 500 shooters for the Las Vegas thing, yeah. which was which was a movie. MGM owns the Mandalay Bay. MGM makes movies. Uh, the, the Las Vegas shooting was a movie. They had pre-recorded soundtrack. They played over the PA and then special visual effects. So you could see this flashing light right on the fourth floor of the main building of the Mandalay. And yet the sheriff said there's no evidence any shots fired other from the 32nd floor. It's ridiculous. My colleague, Scott Bennett, who's a former Army PSYOPs and Intel officer, noticed of the body lying on the floor there. There's a sprinkling of shell casings, but some of them are from a gas-powered pellet guns, and others are for blanks, and others a prop master just threw down the handful, didn't know enough to get it right. I mean, there's a whole lot going on here. I've done so much on these so many times. You name it. Let me just say, by the way, for those who want to catch up, if you go to that, my blog, jamesfetzer.org, and check out jimtheconspiracyguy.com, the 65 shows, you'll find if you scroll down, how to spot a false flag part one and how to spot a false flag part two. They're also linked in the law enforcement false flag stage of it checklist. I go through a dozen to 15 in those false flag shows, and you'll really understand the short takes. I just give you explanation of how we know they're fake. And I give you a five or six proofs, uh, you know, in each case, and I do it, come back and forth, Parkland, Orlando. There's even some about JFK, Sandy Hook. I've done so many. I mean, I have done thousands of videos, thousands of videos, thousands of interviews. I mean, I'm here at your disposal as a resource. I like what you're doing here. So this is real good, Joe. I just want to say, listen, I and Jedi knows this about me. I am all about truth. I'm all about factual information. That's how I decide things. I'm, I'm a very case-by-case -case basis kind of person. Like I said, I'm I'm enthralled by the stuff that you're talking about. I'm definitely, Jedi knows, inclined to, yes. to believe that stuff. And the right evidence would definitely get me on board. So right? I look forward Wait. to checking that stuff out. I do. I do have a question. You're saying that the whole 9-11 Israeli was a Israeli mission, but I also heard this other conspiracy. The reason why we could, um, Gaddafi was killed because he was trying to unify the African kings and use their own currency. Is that is there any truth to that? Have you heard that? Conspiracy? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gaddafi had created the greatest 
something to a humanitarian society on earth. He was using the Libyan oil revenue to benefit the people of Libya, unheard of. Free housing, public education, health care. Newly married couples got a $25,000 bonus to start families. He was really looking after the welfare of Libyans. He also was undertaking the Great Waterworks Project that would have turned North Africa into a veritable oasis and introducing the gold dinar, which is really your question, which would rapidly become the currency of all of Africa. France wanted to keep Africa as their kind of neo-colonial preserve, so they were unhappy about the, the Great Waterworks Project. And the Rothschild banking empire has had trouble in Muslim countries because Muslim countries don't believe in interest. In, in, they right. regard it as usury. So the idea was again to introduce this currency, outrage the Rothschilds. There are only a tiny number of countries that have resisted Rothschild's central banking, and Libya was among them, Iran another. Uh, so they, they supported Hillary in this full-blown NATO slaughter of Libya. It was just outrageous. Gaddafi actually didn't put up a fight, even though he had lots of weapons. He even surrendered. He was directed by the Department of State to a specific location where he was proceeding under a white flag when Hillary had his convoy interdicted and he was brutally murdered and, and, and uh, penetrated with a, a bayonet. I mean, it was he was sodomized with a bayonet. It was brutal. And this was, this was Hillary Clinton. And she'd later go about using the Gaddafi resources to to sell off to other Arab states and anyone who would pay money for it. Benghazi was because there was a, our ambassador there didn't believe we should be giving Stinger missiles to, to forces that might use them against civilians or even America. And Hillary had him interdicted and killed. I mean, this Hillary Clinton is just a monster. And I just, you know, I make no apologies for holding her in contempt. Why wouldn't she just tell him no as Secretary of State? Why would she have to kill him? Because he wasn't following her orders. Joey, so he wasn't you, following Hold on. I don't like Hillary Clinton at all. I have a hard time believing in and 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 embracing the idea that Hillary Clinton is an international mobster, basically. Well, Joe, I, I'm sorry to say you're in a state of disbelief. I do my best to bring people to an enhanced understanding of the reality behind the illusion. That's a classic philosophical issue, appearance versus reality, right? Descartes even entertained the idea that the whole world could be nothing but an illusion in our minds. Well, I'm here to debunk those ideas and other illusions on a smaller scale, but we're talking about one here related to Hillary. Remember now, even, even the, the testimony here in this uh, suit where Durham didn't get a conviction of Sussman, uh, Terry Muck, who was her campaign manager, acknowledged that Hillary had authorized a smear on Trump, claiming falsely that he was involved with Russia. That all goes back to Hillary. That's in the record. That's in the court record now. And I say this is all consistent with that book I published so long ago, Exposing the Russia Hoax. I'm just telling you, it's just all falling out. It takes so long to work these cases through the judicial system. The problem becomes when they introduce an illegal act like the 
the mandates, the vax mandates and all that, blatantly unconstitutional, like, like allowing these illegals into the country, blatantly unconstitutional. It, the mischief all occurs between the time they initiate these acts and it finally works its way through the court to be declared unconstitutional, but it's happening now. And the Biden people and Democrats aren't happy about it, but it's good to see the judicial system actually work semi-properly, which didn't occur in relation to the 2020 election because the court refused to hear the Texas case that laid out how five key states Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona had violated their own laws about electors, how electors are being selected, and, and that the court declined to take that case where the court is the court of original jurisdiction for conflicts between the states was an outrage that will stain its reputation forever. The history of the court will never be the same given that. But they, they are making other decisions that are appropriate, that are, you know, partial forms of redemption, though they'll never be able to overcome the black stain thereby introduced. It's a shame. I mean, he's got five out of six allies on that court. I'm shocked that they, if there was evidence that they would have not taken the case. Joe, Joe, you're, you're, if I may say, you're being just a tad naive, just a tad. (laughs) <laughs> There's so much politics, and the chief justice has a role, and chief justice is compromised. It appears that Roberts adopted two kids, I think from Scotland. It was not done properly, and they've had him under the gun that they're going to expose, take his kids away if he doesn't play ball. Roberts is compromised. There's more to this that has come out from uh, other sources that's very unflattering to the chief justice, but he plays too big a role here. And, you know, well, yes, there are individuals on the court that Trump nominated, you know, Kavanaugh and Amy, for example, and Gorsuch. That doesn't mean they're going to conform to Trump's political preferences. I mean, they're going to exercise their own independence, and it's not always what he might like. So even though they may be better than what we had before, there's no predetermination of the outcomes. The court actually is pretty independent for the most part, pretty independent for the most part. Well, if that's true, then there would have been evidence and because I haven't seen evidence that was, that would have been presented to the court. I'm curious again, what that would have looked like. Is that something I can also find on your website? What, what, what are you talking about? The Texas case? Yeah. Oh my God, that was a huge deal. You can find the whole damn thing. He lays out how each of the five states violated their own, protocols for selecting electors. This is where Mike Pence had a role that he did not fulfill. As vice president, these states had conflicting panels of electors. Pence should have sent them back to the states to determine, because the Constitution is very explicit that the states determine how their electors will be selected. He had the obligation to do that, which he did not do. For that, in my opinion, Mike Pence holds a grave responsibility for the the allowing the theft of the election uh, to go forward. I mean, it was so massive. And the Democrats are virtually criminalizing anyone who disputes the election of 2020. Look, look, uh, Sydney put out a map of the which was before they began manipulating the numbers. The country was red from coast to coast. I'd been predicting that California and Minnesota would go for Trump. Both went for Trump. 
Trump had 410 electoral votes had it been an honest count. And, you know, I, I, I'm glad, Joe, to come on and discuss all of these things with you guys uh, on any occasion. I think you're doing a good job, and I like resistance. And, Jed, I am welcome. I, I'm glad for any comments you have, too, or issues you want to raise. I think this is a good setup. I like what you're yeah. doing. I'll be glad to come back more than once. Yeah, thanks. Your pleasure. Thank you. Now, now, Joe, the thing I don't understand when he said you're being criminalized when you uh, – why, yeah, why can't you say that? Why can't you just say, oh, I think the uh, 2020 election was fraud? Like if you're like a basketball coach or anything, you get – they don't pushback. like that. You'll get major fine. pushback. Well, so it, it, listen, here's what I, maybe I am a little naive, but my understanding is, is these things have been debunked. There were 61 court cases that all got thrown out for lack of evidence, including the one that Dr. Fetzer mentioned that they presented to the Supreme Court that they chose not to look at. So between oh. that and COVID, right, those are things where there's an official narrative. I'm not crazy about that, to be honest. Um, but again, we're talking about the difference between, uh, you know, being criminally liable for, for talking about that stuff and, you know, getting banned from Facebook for 24 hours. Those are definitely not the same thing. Yeah. Joe, I think you're a very sincere guy. I do believe you <laughs> care about the truth. And I'm just here to tell you, there's a whole lot of evidence that you have not encountered yet. And I'll be glad to do what I can to introduce, including whether it's 9-11 or January 6th or whatever. Believe me, because that's what I do. I do my homework. I'm on the Internet 8, 10 hours a day, every damn day. I'm doing a show five days a week, an update. I've been doing this since March of 2020. I've done a thousand shows on the coronavirus uh, alone in the pandemic. I'm doing this five days a week. I have a radio show three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, two hours on Revolution Radio. It's called The Raw Deal from noon to two Eastern time. I'm doing a show with David Zublik once a week where I'm going into each of these. We just did one on Buffalo, another on Uvalde, and another on the checklist which is really important. So I do hope I can come back and do the checklist. I do another called oh, yeah. Truth Versus News out of Seattle with three other commentators. And in virtually every one of these cases, like the need to know five days a week, I have typically two other commentators. So you're never just getting my opinion. And when I report about all these classic uh, events, whether it's JFK, 9-11, Sandy Hook, Boston Bar, what have you, I have brought together groups of experts to sort it out. Uh, my greatest strength is I know what I do not know. I don't fake it. If I'm not an expert in the interpretation of x-rays, I bring in a guy who is. If I'm not an expert on wound ballistics, I bring in a guy who is. If I'm not an expert on this kind of photoshopping, I bring a guy who is. I mean, that's what I do. And I've yeah. done it again and again and again with some success to the extent that Amazon has banned six of my books. You check it. That's a that's the indoor record. The only one who also has had six books banned was Dr. Seuss, and that's because of cartoons drawing little Asian <laughs> girl with splits for eyes, which is not comparable to what I do because the books they banned are blowing apart Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando and Dallas, Charlottesville, Parkland, and even as I say, the moon landing. So that's really because of the section on the Holocaust. So that they, I'm under the gun. This is all wrong. 
Why shouldn't the American people be free to read whatever they want? Amazon is telling us what you can and cannot read. And I'm convinced yeah. I have a case against them that this is a violation of First Amendment because I believe they're acting as an agent of the state. And I could go into detail about that on another occasion. But the fact is, all this censorship, I've had hundreds of videos taken down from YouTube. I've been banned from Facebook. I've been banned from Twitter. I'm telling you, they don't want a contrary view. And when it comes from a source that looks like he might be credible, as you yourself are acknowledging, they like that least of all, least of all. Yeah. Jedi, I want to know what's in all those books behind Dr. Fetzer. <laughs> that stack of books. <laughs> oh, a lot of information I, there. I, I couldn't find his Sandy book, book online. I looked on Amazon. It's not there. No, they banned it. They banned it. It was less than a month after it gone on sale, even though it sold nearly 500 copies. You think a bookseller would like a book that sold nearly 500 copies in less than a month. But on Amazon, they wanted a, They had 20 books on Sandy Hook at the time. 19 all supported the official narrative one way or another. One book disputed it. So which book did they ban? Can your book be, like, is, can I, I want to read it. How can I read well, your I'm book? Under, I'm under a court order that I cannot, they, they undertook this thing to find wow. me having committed defamation so they could go against everyone who was releasing it for free as a PDF and tell them, look, there's a defamation. This book is defamatory. So if you release it, you're committing defamation. And they scared most of them off. I mean, I don't know. I think if you were to look high and low, you might be able to find it. But I am not allowed to tell you or to provide it. I'd be glad to do so. And if the court, if the Supreme Court reverses my case, and check it out. You're, you're going to love this. Go, go to givesendgo.com slash fundingfetzer. You got links to the Supreme Court. You can download my petition, the supporting appendices. And then there's a whole story of my research on Sandy Hook, the banning of the book. You got links to 12 or more articles about it. You will really understand what's going on here. It's a weaponization of the law to suppress freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And it's all to the detriment of the American people. These are steps on the way to a fascist, totalitarian society, and the Democrats are going now whole hog. Well, like like you said, you've been doing this for years, and you have written multiple books, re done research, radio podcasts, and everything like that. How only now did they get a judgment case against you? What well, was it, the smoking gun for them? Oh, I think it was just that too many downloads. I got a friend who estimated that the PDF was downloaded as many as 10 million times. So I think wow. they wanted to staunch the flow, you know. I mean, it's been very popular. I never cared about money. I mean, when they banned the book, I knew it was political. So I immediately released it for free as a PDF. I was going on a Jeff Rent show that night. And I told him, Jeff, look, I want to release this. And so he had me release it on his site where he had it for many years i even became a regular on the rent show i uh, you know i've i've had 10 different radio shows and all that on you know, all the different networks gcn rbn you name it i've been there done it on rants and now i'm on revolution radio monday wednesday friday from noon to two eastern a show called the raw deal and you can listen if you go to freedomslips.com, Studio B, freedomslips.com, Studio B, noon to 2 Eastern. 
the raw deal. And even their schedule, looking at the photo, it's not up to date. But I'm telling you, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the raw deal, Revolution Radio, noon to two Eastern. And I, I frequently feature guests who are experts on these issues. For example, I've had Brian Davidson on Uvalde in Buffalo, where he's done a meticulous. And if you go right now to my blog at jamesfetzer.org, I've just published today, a, well, actually today, a piece by Joaquin Hagopian about you know, who exposed the, the pedophilia and who's got five volumes on it. I mean, Joe, if you want to get the evidence, go to his work. He is the leading expert in this field. And the, the blog before by Edward Henry, where he picked up on the work of Brian Davidson and me to show how Buffalo is completely fake. And at uh, Uvalde, they even recycled a Sandy Hook teacher. Victoria Soto was supposed to be dead. We even have a clip. Well, it looks as so Wayne Carver, the medical examiner, is also reportedly deceased, appears to have been on the scene there at Uvalde. It's just outrageous. So, But if you don't have a background, if you haven't been doing this stuff for so long, there's got all kinds of clues that you're going to miss. You're not going to realize that something is there staring you in the face that just reeks of fraud and fakery, and, and there it is. So listen, you guys, this yeah. has been delightful. I'm really glad. I really like your show. I really think this is a great combination. And I'm just uh, real pleased not only to be here today, but I'll be, be glad to come back at your pleasure. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, We'll definitely so much. keep in touch and have you back. There are so many things we didn't touch on, but um, we'll do that the next time. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Uh, the venue is great. I'm real tickled and, uh, the book you want, Joe, you, you want to go to my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, and look for uh, the the real deal special, 9-11 special dedicated to Robert David Steele. And then you want to go to Moonrock Books. But this 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 book is actually available on Amazon. America nuked on 9-11, compliments of the CIA, the neocons, and the DOD, and the Mossad. Those, those are your two primary sources. And remember... I'm bringing together multiple experts. You know, you're never just getting my opinion. I'm I'm reporting, summarizing, distilling the results of collaborative research among many. So, I love there that. I I appreciate the the work yeah. that you're putting in. Um, I definitely want to deep dive into it. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get these books and see what's really going on. I appreciate. Sure, I'm that. delighted because <laughs> you're so obviously sincere. You have no idea how much I appreciate sincere skeptics people who have questions that they aren't satisfied i'm all for it that's what i'm all about sir Karl popper the great british philosopher emphasized how rational debate is our most effective method to discovering the truth he was absolutely right my very first book on scientific knowledge was dedicated to sir carl and i i absolutely adv advocate his approach which included what is known as falsificationism the only way you can tell if a theory is true is by trying to refute it. And if you're unable to refute it, then you have reason to think, well, maybe it's true, or I haven't figured out yet how to refute it. He had it absolutely right. He was, in that regard, the most profound of all philosophers of science, and I follow in his tradition. I want to find out about or learn more about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and that whole thing. <laughs> is yeah. he really dead? Yeah, or... yeah well, well, well. Look about Pizzagate, as I mentioned to Joe earlier, if you go to the 65 shows, I have one about Pizzagate, you'll find highly illuminating. I believe Epstein was sprung. I mean, look, you know, the cameras don't work. Give me a break. He may be 
you know, in Tahiti sipping Mai Tais, the guy's not dead. And there, there are too many who were beholden to him, including Bill Clinton, the old horn dog, who had, what, 26 trips on the Lolita Express. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, our highest ranking officials are so corrupt. It's absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, I would, I'll be glad to provide more specifics, more details about more mm, parties yeah. on occasion totally. when, we, when we meet again. I love it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm just well, delighted. Yeah. Thank we'll you. have you. We'll have you on in a few weeks. You got it. My pleasure. Let me know. Th- thank. Thanks. Thanks to all all of you. Wonderful. I've really enjoyed I, it. It's been a thanks. pleasure. Me too. All right. All right. So um, he was fun. He was like uh, Dave Weiss 2.0. <laughs> well, uh, uh, listen. Like I said, the PhD at the end of the name. Yeah. You got to give the guy a little more credence than you would most other people. Again, Alex Jones is loud and he says crazy shit. He's not a doctor. Right. Right. And Dr. Fetzer is. And again, right. I talked to you. I've Todd and I've talked about this a lot. The idea of doing your own research. I hate that unless you're a PhD, in which case you understand the process of doing (laughs) research. So. I'm super interested, and and like I said, and I'm being sincere, I always wanted to be a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. Right. Because a lot of that's, dude, just the phone calls that were made from the planes. Yeah. I thought you couldn't have your phone on a plane. Like, what? So, I, you know, Tower 7, sus, it certainly Mm -hmm. looks like. A controlled demolition. It does. It just does. Um. As for right, the Israelis but, yeah. being involved, hundred percent, I could buy that. But so I have, I have a friend. I mean, a, a loose friend whose sister was on one of the planes, uh, ninety three. I mean, so that's why, like, I believe that she's dead and she died in that flight. So, I did he say there wasn't that plane wasn't in the air that day? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, it is interesting. I like how he digs deep and he really cares. It's a major part of his day. All of this stuff. Well, again, so, yeah. I, the truth is so important. Again, like the only thing that's really, like, can I read something to you guys real quick? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is on rationalwiki.org. Uh, there's a section about Dr. Fetzer. He'd prefer to be called an American philosopher. Yes, he's the guy who founded Scholars for 9 11 Truth, but before going completely batshit insane in the late 1990s, Fetzer was an acclaimed professor who specialized in the philosophy of science, artificial intelligence, and computer science. So someone else thinks somewhere along the way, he went Looney Tunes. Again, my argument about, I mean, January 6th, he's spouting the things that Rudy Giuliani is saying. And he's already said, Dr. Fetzer said Rudy Giuliani was in on 9-11. Yeah. So that's not a credible person. And he's literally the only guy out there saying the things that he's saying about that election. And as I pointed out, the Supreme Court, which has a 6-3 conservative majority, there was no reason for them, if if there was substantial evidence, to not have at least taken the case. Hear the case, they still could have ruled against him, but to not take the case, you know what that means? The evidence was lacking sufficiently to where it gets dismissed from court. 
So that hurts. That hurts his case a little bit. I I will say again. I think he uh, also he doesn't know he looks like Bernie Sanders. I'm sure he would hate that. <laughs> but again, listen, I'm I'm a I'm a truth person. I think a lot of what he said about the Holocaust. I think there's a lot of credence to that. I've always thought six million seemed like an outrageous number. Again, just I've based even on, seen numbers up near ten million. Yeah. Well, so the ten million includes disabled gypsies, yeah. all sorts of undesirables. Again, a huge number, and you have to think, what was the population of Europe at that right, time? Right. And were there really 6 million Jews living there? I, I went and I looked up. I, I told you the number was 350,000. How many people lived in Israel when Israel was launched? They were invited from all around the world, sort of as repercussion for what had happened with the Holocaust. 350,000 people, that's it. That's not a lot of people. Right. Just based on that, the idea that there were 6 million at the time I, I I could see where maybe that's not accurate. Right. Nobody's again, denying it did not happen. Right. 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 But again, like I said, dude, does it matter if they were gassed or starved to death? I would rather be gassed, to be honest. I think watching yeah, my yeah. family starve to death and then slowly dying after that would be worse to right. me than. So I think more or less we're talking about the number. It was 290,000 people that died or it was 6 million. Yeah. It's still a Holocaust. And it seems so unbelievable to the average person because we've heard about the Holocaust. It's so old, and you hear the same stories your whole growing up, and now to hear, oh, yeah, that wasn't really it. You're like, what? When I read that he was thought it was uh, didn't happen, I was confused. I thought it was Bro, as soon as they said Pluto wasn't uh, – yeah, Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. It's all been downhill <laughs> since. Yeah, You've been telling us our whole lives. There's not. <laughs> right, right. Now that one's out. But yeah. there might be a, a, an invisible one floating out there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. We're Just out. Leave Pluto alone. <laughs> uh, how shocked were you that he doesn't believe in flat Earth? He, But he thinks the moon landing's fake. I mean, it's kind of wacky. He researches, you know, science. And, <laughs> you know, he's a doctor. He's a professor. Yeah. So. As a I would PhD, think he does the right, math. if you're defying basic science, which flat earthers are, right, you have zero credit. Then the PhD at the end of his name doesn't mean anything at all. It, it really wouldn't. If he was like, "Oh, it's flat," I'd have been like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm, I'm all set, Bernie. I'm out." <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, the school shootings, Boston Marathon, that all coincides with the flat Earth theory. So to, oh, yeah. to believe in all that, but not the flat Earth, kind of surprised me. But again, I think yeah. as a PhD, he doesn't have much of a choice in the matter because the evidence is so overwhelming for the Earth being a spear. As he mentioned, every other object that we can observe in the solar system is a giant ball circle. Why would Earth be the only thing that's not? If it was the center of the universe, maybe, but we know that that's not true either. So another yeah. one of those things we learned as kids. That. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> All yeah. right, so yeah, let's def let's definitely have him back on to die. We didn't really even get much into the school shootings, which was the reason we had him on because <laughs> uh, he kept going. But uh, Jedi, I say we wrap this up and uh, we talk about having him on again. And Joe, I think your political podcast would be great. Yes, yeah. for sure. He's definitely coming on. He's fascinating. Yeah. Well, let's that's try to it, get Lord. yeah. The end is here. Oh, that was a lot to unpack. You know, I'm definitely going to do more research. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. James Fetzer. You can check him his books out on Amazon. And I think he does have a GoFundMe. Um, and just a friendly reminder to do your own research.
You can check Crimes, Conspiracies, and Beyond on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Clovercrest Media. Ciao.